a terrifying encounter with a robber. I heard some noise at my bedside table when I was in bed. How she negotiated her own safety and the shocking twist involving the suspect. Teachers say they're not safe at work. What we're hearing is that classrooms are not consistently being cleaned. Their top complaints to the Labor Relations Board and how the education minister responds. And illegal dumping gets out of control. We've collected over a thousand uh, bags. The lower mainland community buried in potentially toxic garbage. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. One week into the return to class at most BC schools, there are at least 15 reported cases of school exposures in the province. The union representing teachers believes not enough is being done to prevent an outbreak here, and they are taking their safety concerns directly to the Labor Relations Board. Richard Zussman reports. Classrooms not cleaned overnight, teachers sharing masks, a mandatory mask policy in some hallways not being enforced, all concerned teachers are raising from behind these walls. And one, the BC Teachers Federation, now hoping the province's Labour Relations Board will force the province to act on. We're hearing that sometimes um, schools are short-staffed and they don't have enough custodians in order to get schools um, cleaned. Education Minister Rob Fleming says it's unacceptable if classrooms aren't being cleaned, but it shouldn't be happening considering the province put in millions of dollars to hire additional custodians as well as have additional cleaning materials and that masks should be available for every teacher in the system. There is an abundance of masks in the school system. The province releasing figures today showing 85% of students have returned to the classroom, something interpreted in two very different ways. I think it's based on confidence. I think it's based on also careful outreach. We know that a lot of families are headed by single parents. And we know a lot of families, you know, have two people that need to work. So they need to send their children to school. Where's your science? Some schools are still short on educational assistance. And this advocate says some kids with special needs are being told to stay home because of it. Even when families are going, are, are able to send their kids, then the, uh, they're not getting the education assistance support that they would typically get. This is Alberta has announced its first case of COVID-19 transmission in a classroom. Another concern is some schools still lack a remote option. The biggest concern we've heard is there's no hybrid option. Uh, you know, we have lots of uh, not just kids that have uh, health issues, uh, parents that have health issues. As to whether concerns from teachers could lead to a strike, the union says they're hoping to meet with the Labour Relations Board next week in an attempt to avoid any work disruptions. Richard Zuspin, Global News, Victoria. All right, let's get a look today at the COVID-19 numbers, which require a little more explaining than usual, and here's why. We have 179 more cases, but 40 of those are historical cases from Vancouver Coastal Health, racked up over several weeks going back to August 11th, involving people who don't have personal health numbers and thus hadn't been counted. So 139 is the daily total plus those extra 40. We have 7,842 total cases in the province. Three more have died, so that total is 223. 59 people are in hospital, 20 of those patients in ICU. 5,797 are considered recovered, leaving us with 1,803 active cases and 3,075 in isolation. 
So we'll bring in Keith Baldry now. Keith, we want to put uh, the case numbers into a little more context because the fluctuation we're seeing is due to testing. So what's key here really is the positivity rate. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we're testing now an average of 5,700 people a day uh, for the past week or so. At some point, at some times during the pandemic, we were down to 1,500 a day. So you test more, you're going to find more, obviously. But the, one of the key uh, uh, things to look at is the positivity rate. Does it change as we get more uh, cases? Take a look at this graphic put together by Sally Nichols. Uh, you can see the, the positivity rate on the right-hand column there, 1.1% on Monday, 2.7% on Tuesday, 1.9% on Wednesday, a similar number on Thursday and today slightly higher at 2.4%. So we're hovering around 2% of the positivity rate, even though we're testing more and more people. And as long as we continue to have a relatively low positive rate, that's good news. Again, we're going to be see higher case numbers undoubtedly as we're going to expand our testing. The goal is to get to 20,000 capacity, not necessarily test that much, but as we test more people for influenza as well, we're going to find more cases. And as long as that positivity rate remains relatively low, that is good news. We're going to be keeping track of that, of course, in the days and weeks and months ahead. No doubt. Okay, thank you, Keith. All right. Well, the Canada-U.S. border will remain closed to all non-essential crossings until at least October 21st. The partial closure was set to end on Monday, but Federal Public Safety Minister Bill Blair has now confirmed another one-month extension. Since March, crossings of the border have been restricted to goods, essential workers, and citizens returning home. Now to a terrifying break-in in Vancouver's Yaletown neighborhood. The victim waking up to an intruder standing over her while she slept. Jordan Armstrong joins us with the details and a shocking twist. Jordan? Sophie, if this all sounds familiar, you're right, because two weeks ago tonight we were telling you about a very similar ordeal in the very same neighborhood. It turns out it's the same suspect. Vancouver police have now made an arrest in two knife point robberies inside ground level suites in Yaletown involving women living alone. That last part appears to be a coincidence. Investigators think these were crimes of opportunity. In the first case, the guy used the mail slot to unlock the door. In the second, it seems he reached through an unlocked window to slide open the patio door. The most recent home invasion happened Wednesday about 3.30 a.m. The victim awoke to the armed bandit standing next to her bedside table. Initially, she screamed and he threatened to stab her, but then she was able to calm him down and she credits her instinct as a nurse. She works in the downtown east side as a mental health and addictions nurse. Just from what I kind of understand and the training I've had, someone either comes into your place with like as a target attack to you or to, um, you know, just steal. And so I, it's not like he was going to probably yeah. switch from one to the other. My only concern was that if he got really f were freaked out that he might use his weapon. So that's why I just tried to keep it calm. In both situations, both were really heads up victims. I, I say that uh, time and time again about them, but they were. They were. They remained their composure. They, they went to a place of safety. They called police right away. And, and because of that, we were able to track the suspect uh, moments after the crime. So um, they, they did an outstanding job under such high stress. Now, that suspect is just 18 years old. He remains in custody until his next court appearance on Thursday. The message from both victims is things really need to change in Vancouver. Never mind not feeling safe in their own neighborhood. They can't even feel safe in their own homes. Sophie? All right. Thanks for that. Jordan Armstrong reporting in Vancouver.
One man is in hospital today after another targeted shooting in Metro Vancouver, this one in Surrey. RCMP was called to 194th Street and 33rd Avenue on Thursday night for reports of shots fired. Officers found one man suffering from gunshot wounds. He was taken to hospital where he's now in stable condition. A burned out vehicle was found several blocks away, but Mounties haven't confirmed it's connected. This is the third targeted shooting in Metro Vancouver over just the past four days. BC prosecutors now have jurisdiction over the man charged with murder. In the case of Nanaimo teen Michaela Chang, the 16-year-old went missing in March of 2017, and after a lengthy search, her body was found that May. In 2019, Stephen Michael Bacon was named a person of interest in the case, and earlier this month, the 57-year-old was charged with first-degree murder. Bacon appeared in court today via video link from Thunder Bay, Ontario, where he'd been in custody on an unrelated matter when the murder charge was approved. Chang's father says he's glad the case is finally moving forward. Um, just to see the charges uh, actually officially laid, I guess. This is um, the first appearance for him, so it's important to us. And how's the family doing today? As well as can be. Uh, it's been a long haul, so, you know, at least uh, the wheels are turning here, at least for us. Bacon will remain in custody in Thunder Bay and is set to make his next B.C. court appearance via video link in October. Police in Greater Victoria have busted an alleged drug-impaired hit-and-run driver. Around 3.30 this morning, a blue Infiniti G35 ended up on the lawn of a home in Colwood. West Shore RCMP say the car's back end was hit, pushing it from the road up onto the grass. Police say video surveillance shows a white GMC pickup truck crashing into the Infiniti before backing up and leaving. The alleged driver, a 34-year-old woman, was arrested for drug-impaired driving. She got a 24-hour driving ban and a ticket for failing to remain at the scene of a collision. The truck was impounded. And Nanaimo RCMP are searching for the suspect in a bizarre attack. It happened almost a month ago in the parking lot of Lowe's at North Town Center. Police say a 70-year-old South Asian man whose wife is disabled was parking in a handicapped spot on the evening of August 20th when a man who apparently didn't like where he was parking and that man allegedly punched the senior in the head, knocking off his turban. The suspect, described as white with a slim build and dark hair, was on foot at the time. RCMP say he said nothing to indicate the unprovoked attack was racially motivated. A man who picked the wrong convenience store to rob last fall has been sentenced to two years in jail. Pace try almost here. He, oh. he almost stabbed you in yeah, the eye? Almost my eyes. He can't scare me. 63-year-old Gidu Nam stood his ground when a man entered his downtown Vancouver store with a knife last October and demanded money. Nam, a Korean Army veteran, fought back and was stabbed twice, once in each arm. 45-year-old Dylan Gosnell pleaded guilty to robbery this past July. Nam was seriously injured, but says violent crime will not deter him from running his business. All right, at the beginning of Variety Week, 300 children were waiting to get grants approved for wheelchairs and walkers, therapies and tuitions, but we wanted to help far more than that. 
The equipment and services Variety provides helps kids thrive right across this province. And BC, you responded. Together, you all ensured that those 300 kids received the help they required. And Variety is now able to open up granting for hundreds more kids. And as an added bonus tonight, generous donors are matching your contributions up to $100,000. So call 310-KIDS now and double your dollars. We want to be able to help 1,000 kids across B.C. Right now, we're at 778. Great story coming up later about how uh, Variety helped Colby, too. So we'll talk about that. Right now, though, a major dump of potentially toxic material. The Lower Mainland community seeing more than its fair share of scenes like this. The big cleanup ahead in just over a minute. U.S. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the major challenge to name a successor. That's coming up tonight on the News Hour. And after months of limited access for cars and better access for bikes, big changes are coming back to Stanley Park. That's later as well. Right now, though, the township of Langley is making a public appeal to help deal with a growing problem and eyesore in their community. In the past three weeks alone, half a dozen illegal dumping sites with large piles of industrial garbage have been spotted. Cleanup is difficult and costly, but as Catherine Urquhart shows us, catching the culprits is even harder. Covered from head to toe in personal protective equipment, Township of Langley employees carefully clean up a pile of illegally dumped construction material. It was left in the middle of the night on Rolison Crescent, where neighbors are growing increasingly frustrated. I guess it's because it's full of asbestos that they're dumping it and they don't want to pay the, the fees. Township crews can hardly keep up. This construction material was left in the 5900 block of 270th. The amount staggering, a full dump truck size load. In the past three weeks, uh, we've seen six uh, separate instances of uh, dumps of this nature, uh, what you see behind me here. Illegal dumping costs township taxpayers more than $400,000 every year. Anyone caught can be fined $500. And while that fine may need to be increased, the problem is catching those responsible. What we really need is the, is the public's help. Uh, so if you're out at night, if you're working a night shift, driving throughout the community, um, when it's dark, if you see anything suspicious, uh, please jot down a license plate and contact us. We have a, uh, an illegal dumping hotline set up. It's 1-844-C-DUMP. The problem is piling up across Metro Vancouver, Illegal dumping now costs local governments in excess of $3 million. That bill ultimately going to taxpayers. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Still to come, the amazing story of a lost dog reunited with its family. I cannot believe him. What a fighter. After 17 days on the street, how Chili finally found his way home. And how your donations help boys like Colby and Ethan thrive with access to therapy and counseling. Massive tunnel traffic is looking a whole lot better after earlier delays due to maintenance. It's all back to normal with two lanes each way now. Kermac Collision and Autoglass have been family run and locally owned since 1973. For unmatched quality repairs and exceptional service, choose Kermac. For location information, visit Kermac.com. In the Global Traffic Center, I'm Amber Belzer.
This portion of the program is brought to you in part by White Spot, proudly serving B.C. since 1928. Well, the mental health of our children is a growing concern with depression, anxiety, ADHD, PTSD, even suicide. Harsh realities for so many kids in Canada. But Variety is helping children with special therapies and counseling sessions. And together with your donations, kids like Colby and Ethan can thrive. They're really hyper because they're both diagnosed ADHD. So they both kind of bounce off the walls sometimes. So I think in that regard, people just think they're misbehaving, whereas they can't control it. Colby and Ethan are like many kids in B.C. They love swimming, playing outdoors, and video games. Also, like many kids in B.C., both boys have ADHD and anxiety disorder. Mental health is a serious concern for children across the province, with one in seven young people suffering from some form of the disease. And COVID is certainly not making it easier for anyone who's struggling. That sense of social isolation has really contributed to a huge increase in exacerbation of mental health issues, including anxiety and depression in young kids. Variety is helping kids like Colby and Ethan with counseling and therapy sessions. But as the number of kids suffering with mental illness increases, so does the demand put on the healthcare system and on Variety to support these kids. The number of grant requests for mental health services, including counseling and equine therapy, has more than doubled in the past year. Frightening numbers on an already strained system. I think there's still a lot of barriers on a systems level that make it challenging for us to work collaboratively, um, especially interprofessionally, right? So cross disciplines, how we engage um, the family physician and the specialist psychiatrist or pediatrician, the mental health specialist, the substance use specialist. Well, practice and the provincial health care system do what they can to support children with mental health concerns. Variety will continue to provide funding for the costly counseling sessions and therapies that kids need to thrive in society. We have a young brain that is being programmed for anxiety because they have these experiences early on and we leave that untreated. That that one way of being or interacting with the world and with others, it actually gets hardwired into the brain. I want people to understand that it's something that you can't control. Sometimes only therapy and medication can help. And with your help in these desperate times, we can reduce the stigma around mental health and support even more kids struggling to get through each and every day. Well, $175 covers one hour of counseling for a child. We want to make sure we get every kid who needs it the support of of a mental wellness counselor. It truly makes a difference to them. So please call now or go online to variety.bc.ca. And as most of you know, Global BC has partnered for decades with Variety. And our boss, Kenton Boston, is leading the charge this year as Variety Board Chair. And he joins us now, Kenton. It's been such an amazing week. Variety Week always is. But this is a really special year. And, and this week, we have another major matching sponsor for the News Hour tonight, helping to drive those donations. It really brings more people into the fold. It is phenomenal this year, and I can't thank everybody that's watching and listening tonight. The outpouring from the community has just been inspiring. We're up to 852 kids, 852 kids. We've helped raise money for that number of kids. We're trying to reach 1,000 kids by the end of the news hour. 
We have a matching donation up to $100,000. So if you give $1 in the next hour, 45 minutes, it's worth $2. We know we can make it there as a group. The, the donations we've seen, you can see them at the bottom of your screen on the ticker, phenomenal. That's brilliant. And it's never been more important, Kenton. Obviously, through COVID, uh, all charities are struggling. Variety's no different there. In 54 years, we've never had the lineup that we have right now. It's hard for all of us. Imagine if you have children that are with special needs, need special assistance. We know we can get there. And I just want to thank everybody that's helped us so far, Chris. 852 kids. Let's get to 1,000. 310 kids is the number to call, Kenton. Uh, we have over just over half an hour to reach 1,000. Thanks, We can Kenton. do it. Thank we you. We can do it. All right. Thanks a lot, Kenton. Well, following a lot of controversy, Stanley Park will soon fully reopen to vehicles. The separated bike lane in Stanley Park will be removed next weekend. Cyclists will still be permitted to use the road as they were in the past, but they will also be allowed back on the seawall as of Saturday, September 26th. The park board closed Stanley Park Drive completely to vehicles at the start of the pandemic to help with physical distancing, but reopened one lane to cars in June. Businesses and advocates for seniors and people with disabilities had argued it reduced accessibility to the park, and they called for it to be reopened. An amazing reunion this week for a Vancouver family and their very tiny best friend. This is the... <laughs> Best thing that has happened in 2020, oh. I tell you. <laughs> it is. The community came together to help bring Chile home. Back on August 31st, the five-pound Yorkie Chihuahua cross got spooked during a walk in Pacific Spirit Park and bolted. His owners put up posters and plastered social media. They even left old clothes on the trail and cooked bacon in an effort to lure Chile back. 17 days later, they finally got a phone message from someone living near Southwest Marine Drive and Granville. It was this gentleman that says, hi, uh, your dog just walked into my backyard, into my house. We have your dog. We were jumping, we were crying, we were laughing, we were screaming. Look at her, her collar, look at her collar. Look how loose her collar is. Thank God she has a big head. <laughs> My family never gave up hope and we never gave up searching for her. Every day we woke up and we said, Chili's coming home. It was really a community effort to bring Chili home and the family wants to thank their neighbors and the charity Rome or reuniting owners with animals missing. Glad to see Chili's back home. All right, still ahead, a local counselor injured in an unusual collision. Out of nowhere, a drone came and hit me in the head. Her warning to others after she was slammed by a drone. And later, simple sampling, the made in BC COVID testing technique that's much better for children. Traffic is steady crossing the Lionsgate Bridge this evening. We've got two lanes northbound and one lane southbound, only seeing minor delays coming on and off of Georgia Street right at the moment. Is your hearing important? Connect Hearing is Canada's number one physician-referred hearing health care provider. Visit connecthearing.ca for a free hearing test. In the Global Traffic Centre, I'm Amber Belter. U.S. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has died at the age of 87. 
Ginsburg became the second female on the nation's highest court and was the leader of its liberal wing. She was also a pop culture icon, known by many, many as Notorious RBG. Ginsburg has had a history of medical problems over the past few years, including cancerous nodules in her left lung, a tumor on her pancreas, colon cancer, and pancreatic cancer. Her death gives Donald Trump the chance to nominate his third Supreme Court justice, setting up what's certain to be another ferocious political battle. A Coquitlam counselor is recovering from a concussion after she was hit in the head by a drone. Terry Towner says she was riding her e-bike in the schoolyard at Monday Elementary when the drone slammed into her forehead, striking her between her helmet and sunglasses. She says she was stunned but rode off. The next day she went to hospital and she's since been diagnosed with a concussion and whiplash. Until her symptoms fade, she can't exercise or have any screen time, an order that includes virtual counseling meetings. I've had to put my life on hold. Pretty much everything I do is online right now, being a city councillor, my Toastmasters meetings, volunteer work I do is through Zoom. Everything's online and I'm very, very active. I'm solo, so to keep myself busy during the pandemic, I hike, I run, I go to CrossFit, I walk, I cycle. I keep very, very active and I can't do that right now. Towner says while she knows the drone strike was an accident, she's asking the drone operator to come forward. Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart wants changes to the Police Act after some controversy arising from Thursday's Vancouver Police Board meeting. Stewart raised eyebrows when he recused himself from a vote on ending police street checks. As Nadia Stewart reports, he says he was advised to for reasons he now says don't make sense. It was an unexpected comment from Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart during Thursday's police board meeting. Uh, I think it's appropriate for me to uh, recuse myself um, from the meeting. And when the subject of police checks came up, the mayor was not part of the conversation. And it all stemmed from that unanimous vote in June when the mayor and council voted to ban street checks. A number of board members uh, said that because of my motion at city council to ban street checks, I would be in conflict if I was to uh, chair the, that section of the police board meeting. In an interview with Global News, Stewart says while he disagreed with his fellow board members, he agreed to a review by their ethics advisor, Madam Justice Christy Gill, who concluded the mayor would indeed be in a conflict of interest. He says he respects the advice, but it raises many questions. What can I participate in? Can I actually participate in anything on the police board, even though I'm statutorily re required to do so? I do need an answer from the provincial government as to how I'm supposed to do this job. An all-party committee is currently reviewing the Police Act, and Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth says he would not be surprised if the mayor's role on the police board is the focus of a recommendation. I know, for example, uh, many people have uh, in the past questioned uh, not the fact that a mayor is, is on a police board, but rather that a mayor automatically chairs a police board. That review won't be complete until May 2021. Police Board Vice Chair Barge Dahan says the mayor's recusal does not mean his views on street checks have been shut out. And the mayor, mayor had uh, presented that to us by way of a letter. So we as a board know the mayor's position. Still, Kennedy Stewart and the board find themselves in this awkward position. How do they deal with the chair that is in conflict because of my role as mayor? And according to Stewart, he is not the first mayor 
who's been left wondering what to do. Nadia Stewart, Global News. BC researchers have become the focus of worldwide attention after a surprise announcement Thursday by Dr. Bonnie Henry. Scientists at the BC Centre for Disease Control and BC Children's Hospital have created a new gargle test for COVID-19 that replaces the uncomfortable nasal swab. Right now it's only for children, but as Linda Aylesworth reports, the benefits go beyond just the comfort of patients. We all know that testing for COVID-19 is vital if we're to control outbreaks and that this is the way it's done. We call them a nasopharyngeal swab and they need to go quite far back to sample at the back of your nose. Not exactly pleasant. BC Children's Hospital released a video in July to help prepare kids for the experience. But that won't be necessary anymore. Introducing what's believed to be the first swab-free COVID-19 test. Firmly squeeze all of the salty water into the child's mouth. This is a new saline gargle where you put a little bit of normal saline, so the sterile water in your mouth, you swish it around a little bit. Then tip your head back and gargle for another five seconds. Repeat the swish and gargle two more times for five seconds each. Then spit into a funnel-shaped container. It was created by the BC Centre for Disease Control and BC Children's Hospital. Due to limited supply, it's currently only available in BC to school-aged children from K to 12. We're expecting and are seeing an increased amount of testing happening with kids, and so trying to minimize pain and discomfort is a really important part of this. It needs to be done at an assessment centre, but it's done by the parent or the child themselves rather than a healthcare worker. So it should reduce waiting times. Another advantage, they expect to secure local suppliers. And then we don't have to rely on these swabs that are generally manufactured elsewhere. And there have been supply chain issues with acquiring those swabs. Already there's been global interest in the saline gargle test, which is 98% accurate. In time, it'll also be made available to adults. Until then, a word of advice for parents. If you are going to be going to collection centre, it's a good idea to watch the the video on YouTube beforehand and, and perhaps practice at home at least two hours before going for collection. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. <laughs> Up ahead, the plan to clear-cut some fragile B.C. forest. It's a bizarre plan. Calls to save this rare ecosystem and the creatures that live there. And in sports, what Brock Besser says about all those trade rumors and how soon he thinks Vancouver can win the Cup. Environmental group is calling on the BC government to reverse course and not allow more logging in the remote Big Mouth Valley near Revelstoke. The Wilderness Committee says that area is a vital habitat for the endangered southern mountain caribou. Paul Johnson reports. They're 150 members strong, which is pretty remarkable for a BC herd, and they have a good chance at survival. The Wilderness Committee's Charlotte Daw has another story to tell about the province's controversial management of our dwindling old-growth forests, the impact on the endangered southern mountain caribou. If they were genuine about saving this herd, they would not touch that old growth. 
The area she's talking about is in the Big Mouth Valley, northeast of Revelstoke. It's inside BC's rare interior temperate rainforest, where Daw and other conservationists say BC Timber Sales is building a road to access new blocks of old growth that will be auctioned off for clear cut. She says the Wilderness Committee has data that shows the area is critical habitat for the caribou. It would remove about 300 soccer fields of their currently usable old growth habitat. A spokesperson for the Ministry of Forests told Global News Friday that planning for the area in question, the Argonaut drainage, has been going on for five years and that the actual area suitable for harvest is only a fraction of the entire drainage. Well, that seems straightforward. Something that baffles conservationists is that the province is also spending money to try and enhance caribou habitat nearby. It doesn't make any sense. While the logging policy is up for debate, one thing more firmly established is that the Southern Mountain caribou are in a precarious state. It's the federal government that's listed them as endangered, which may prompt groups like Dawes to look to Ottawa for help if it can't be found in Victoria. If we lose them in BC, we lose them from this planet forever, and they very well could be one of the first species Canada loses. Paul Johnson, Global News. All right, time to check in with meteorologist Yvonne Shell. We're into our final, what's the date? Final couple of days of summer. summer. Last weekend of summer. And it's going to feel more fall-like for a few areas. Uh, we're still seeing widespread smoke across the province. I'll have your smoke forecast in just a moment. But we are tracking some wet weather, and that has improved the air quality across the region, especially through the afternoon today. So there's a few isolated showers. We actually have the risk of thunderstorms for this evening. It leaves off, but we'll still see those showers, especially for the overnight and early morning hours on Saturday. A couple of photos to share. This is of, uh, one uh, taken along Stanley Park. So thank you so much, Al. We can see that with the smoke, Alouette Lake, and captured by Kelly's. So thank you so much. This is the current tower cam. So we are socked in. We've got the smoke that will continue. It will be local for tomorrow. A few areas will have an improvement in the air quality. But there is a lot of instability. And that will stretch for the northeastern corners, the central and southern interior, with the risk of thunderstorms for the day tomorrow. Air quality advisory is still blanketing much of the province. Here's what we're seeing for the current air, air quality health index. It's improved this afternoon. A few spots across Metro Vancouver at 9. We're currently sitting at 6. And towards the south at four. Now the smoke forecast, so for the latter half of the weekend, there will be an improvement in the air quality. We're hoping to see a bit of a shift in the winds, more of a westerly wind for a few spots. And that will hopefully aid things, especially along the southern half and it'll be along the coast. A quick glance ahead, though, we do have a significant amount of rain in the long range. And this will be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. The potential to see upwards of 100 millimeters, so we're keeping a close eye. Now, the northern half of the province tomorrow still seeing those showers. Much of the central interior will be looking at the risk of thunderstorms. Similar for all areas across the south tomorrow. We're seeing showers for the morning hours. And then it'll ease off as we get in towards the afternoon. Temperatures 19 and up to 20, a bit of an improvement as we get in towards early next week. And then we could see some rainfall heavy at times on Wednesday. Tonight's central windows, weather window, a fantastic shot. And this was the sunset last night, green light, taken by Warren. Guys? Gorgeous. Thanks, Yvonne. Sure is. All right, let's check in with Squire now and a look ahead to sports. What's going on with Brock? Well, the trade rumors never seem to stop when it comes to Brock Besser. But just the same, he is not faced. I don't. I don't think I'm going to get traded. 
Brock Besser thinks he's going to remain a Canucks despite everything that's being whispered. And don't forget a little later, satellite debris. You'll want to see these. What's that? All right, Squire, it's award season. Well, yes, yes, it it is. Isn't the Emmys? Yeah, exactly. Are we up for one? Probably, but of course we are. Why do we never win? I don't understand. (laughs) Uh, On Monday afternoon, the NHL will hand out its five biggest individual awards, including the one behind me or beside me, the Calder, Rookie of the Year. That one is essentially between Quinn Hughes of the Canucks and Colorado's Kale McCarr. It's going to be a very close vote. Hard to predict because both players make a very good case for them to win. However, if it is Quinn Hughes who gets the trophy, the Canucks will be the first team since the Bruins in 67 and 68 to have two straight Rookie of the Year winners because, of course, Elias Pettersson won it last year. Well, if the Canucks are to make any significant trades in the offseason, they're going to have to give up one of their main guys. And with the salary cap situation, they might just have to. And that's why the rumors about the Canucks being interested in Minnesota defenseman Matt Dumba bring up Brock Brock Besser's name as well. Because Minnesota, even though they would prefer a center for Matt Dumba, the fact Besser's a Minnesota kid who can score goals means they might want him. But the man himself, just like he said a couple of months ago when his name came up in trade rumors, doesn't think he is going to go and really doesn't want to be going anywhere. I don't think I'm going to get traded. Um, It's... You know, but I mean, obviously rumors are going to happen and, and stuff's going to be out in the media. But, um, you know, I love Vancouver. I, I love the, the guys I play with. I love the organization, the fans. Um, so, um, you know, I, I want to be a Canuck. And uh, like I just said, I think our team is is right there. And, and you know, we can win a Stanley Cup in the, in the next couple of years. So Wednesday, when the Whitecaps beat Montreal, that'll be the last game they play at BC Place this season. The rest of their schedule will be played in the United States starting tomorrow in Salt Lake City. And Portland is going to be Vancouver's home base until the end of the season. And because of quarantine rules, the Whitecaps are not even going to practice in Vancouver. But they might come back to check on their houses and reacquaint themselves with their families once in a while. They could come home, I think, for two days, two days and a half, uh, but we have to quarantine on, so we're yeah. not going to be allowed to to train. Um, it's going to be a challenge. We're going to need to stick together. We, we're going to need to be a team. We're going to need to be a bunch of players in a group that works a lot with each other because when you go in a spell like that and now the calendar looks like it's so crazy. We have to, to find the right solution in mix to be successful. Second round at Wingfoot, U.S. Open, Bryson DeChambeau. Eagles the last hole of the day. That's pretty good. 268. At that point, he had the clubhouse lead at minus three. He's now second behind Patrick Reed. Again, Tiger Woods. Doing this, he did it yesterday. Well, he didn't make the cut. He's out. going to drop at least two. Patrick Reed, who had the uh, hole in one yesterday, no ace today, but this is a bird. He was even par today. He's minus four. He has the lead by one over DeChambeau. Adam Hadwin of Abbotsford did make the cut out of the rough at 11. Oh, that's a very nice birdie. He's at plus five, but that was good enough to stick around. Shar of the day, Hideki Matsuyama. 
Another one of these go past the hole and get it on the slope and watch it come back. Coming back, coming back, coming back, coming back, coming back. There you go. Just like he planned it. And he did. Anyway, there you go. Thank you very much, Squire. Let's check in with Jay Durant now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jay? Thank you, Sophie. Just days after we learned about the purchase of luxury office chairs, the city of Vancouver has announced its latest budget cuts. A number of large capital projects are being scaled back or postponed due to challenges posed by the pandemic. Cuts are more than $250 million. We'll let you know what projects are being impacted. And there's been another potential COVID exposure at a Vancouver bar. We'll have those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11. All right. Thanks, Jay. Not the king's head. All right. We're back with more right after this. Yes, we should end the week on a happy on a high note. note. Yeah. We got satellite debris for that. Squire? Yes. Um, first of all, Subaru... Pictures of world where dogs are kind of like people. They drive cars and they get their hair done. That's a weird one. I, wasn't, I don't think he was big on it, but she, no. uh, she well, set him straight. Yeah. Always say it looks good. Yeah. Cutting a watermelon. I don't know how long it would take any of us to cut a full watermelon. This man claims he can do it in less than 30 seconds. Watermelon in 30 seconds or less. Nora, I will trade you the call like 101. Nora, 101, please. You're at 10 seconds. Twenty-one seconds. Ah. Twenty-one seconds. That that slot this the side one kind of freaked me out. I was nervous for his I finger. I saw much oh, bloodshed, but there wasn't. Okay. Um, the people who make Butterfinger chocolate bars say they're so good. They need their own police force to keep everybody in line. Butterfinger investigators. You'll want to see these. Oh, no. Oh, come on. Are these hers? Uh huh. This is Investigator Dunnett. We will find who did this. No one lays a finger on your butterfinger. Again. Not on our watch. Right. I know who it was. I just need help busting him. My boyfriend. Typical. Always the spouse. Doesn't matter where I hide them, he finds them. I have no idea how. He typically takes them from your purse? From everywhere. It's a game to him. Game. And it's only your husband there. He's my boyfriend. His Nana's there, but it couldn't be Nana. 
set. Whoa, that's next level. I'm going in. Oh. Who are you guys? BFI, Butterfinger Investigators. Care to explain this to your wife, to your kids? She's my girlfriend, we don't have any kids. You have a wife? What? Look, this is all just a big misunderstanding. Up. It's always the grandma. You done it. Mini packs. We'll be right there. Let's fish. <laughs> Next level. Next level. Next sure. We need that team yeah. to track down who steals lunches from the yes. refrigerator. Well, right. Super That's a big rain. problem around here. Do people uh, still do that? Yeah, oh, I yeah. think it still happens. Oh. Uh, listen, we are drawing to the end of Variety Week, and BC, you have once again really come through. You've shown that no child has to go through life without the equipment and services that they so desperately need. You have eclipsed that 300-child wait list and made certain that hundreds of kids can have access to Variety funding. Today, White Spot Triple O's has provided a generous donation to Variety during the news hour, pushing our kid count to 941 through almost $2.4 million in donations. Wow. Thank you so much, BC. You've really come together once again to help these kids. And there is still some time, so if you haven't yet, please call 310-KIDS, and let's try to push that number over 1,000. Thank you so much to all the people whose names are rolling across the bottom of the screen who helped us out this week. Have a great weekend. Thank you, BC. Good night.